Hey, San Bernardino, it is time for some real talk with Treasure and Letty. How you doing? Hey, San Bernardino. Hey, Treasure, how's it going? It's going. We have more drama, new day. Yeah, lots of drama. So, um, so where do you want to start? <laughs> uh, let's hit it off right from the beginning. Um, I guess we could talk about the the big items that led the even bigger meltdown yes that was fun (laughs) (laughs) let's do that so tell us what you saw at the council meeting so there were i and we we kind of went over like you know the kitten and the animal shelter and some of these um some of these topics but we were looking at the substations they were talking about this contracting out or contracting for services to come a, a basically assessment of PD management and operations and then the salaries of the ch- assistant chief and the chief of police and none of that was going the way that the mayor wanted. The votes weren't happening, the discussions weren't going in the right direction and it, it just, the, the whole tone of the meeting was was changing really negatively, um, and and new right. information has has come out also as to some of the decisions that were made regarding uh, the contract with PD, which is um, so. Just so you guys know, I received an email that they actually the POA wrote to each of the council members and the mayor, lobbying them not to bring in a third party assessor into their department. And they they also have pushed the council to violate the charter and force the city manager to appoint Eric McBride as the new chief of police, which is against the, the charter. It's against the law, the constitution of the city of San Bernardino. So hold on. This is the police officer association encouraging our government agencies, our elected officials to break the law. Yeah. Because our charter is our law. Yep. In writing. I to understand something about the charter. In the United States of America, there is a constitution. And that constitution is the law of the land. Everything in the constitution is said to be binding law and we have to abide by it. In right. the state of California, we have laws. We have the constitution of California. We have to abide by everything within the code of the Constitution of California. Within the city of San Bernardino, there is a charter, and that charter is the Constitution, the land of the law for the city of San Bernardino, right? So just in case people were wondering why the charter is important, because the charter is the authority for this, is our Constitution. Right. So I just wanted to say that because I think a lot of people don't understand how important a really good charter is in making sure that you can manage and govern a city. Right. So with that said, we now have the Police Officers Association attempting to lobby our elected officials to violate the city charter. Yes, which is break the law. <laughs> and and right? this is, yes, and this is the issue. This is what I this is why I consistently call out 
what is happening. And I made a post on Facebook that, you know, the POA calls the city cash strap when it when it doesn't want a transparent recruitment, but it has no objection when it's trying to negotiate raises for the chief of police and assistant chief police. And Brian Lewis, the head of the POA, was like, POA doesn't have anything to do with that. Okay, well, you guys may not be at the table in negotiations because it's the you're still behind the scenes politically negotiating these positions. And that's the problem is that everybody has gone to make a deal understanding fully that the city is compromised. It is failing and heading towards disincorporation. And all these people are willing to sit at the top and pad their purse because they're in retirement phase while the rest of the people that really matter, the employees, the police that are out serving and protecting are going to become county sheriff or move on to a different agency. Yeah. Issue. There was no objection to $60,000 in raises by the POA for the chief or the assistant chief. They just disagreed with somebody coming in and giving a real assessment because we already know they're violating the exit plan. They're, the, these raises, reclassifications are not what's approved. They just don't mm-hmm. want to come in and make an official report about it. Right. And so because the council voted to deny this, this did not pass. Right. Therefore, it cannot be vetoed. Right. Although John seems to think he can just veto whatever he wants, because he was like really smug throughout the meeting. I can veto that, right? Oh, I can veto this. I can veto that. Yeah, there's only certain things you can veto. Right. Something has to pass in order to be vetoed. So my guess is that's why he was so angry and frustrated, because I don't believe that Juan voted the way he meant to. <laughs> well, he didn't vote the way John meant him to, but he did. <laughs> and you know what? And it was a good move. And I've, you know, I said this publicly like that. That was a really good financial decision that Juan made. And but again, you're we're, we're I guess you're working, we're working under the assumption that he meant to do that. I don't think he did. I, I well, there was no objection. He did it. And if he comes back after the fact, it's because John w- dropped the hammer on him. I mean, there was no doubt. He there was no objection during the meeting. He he sat there, the the clerk read the the votes. So, yeah. you know, what what's he going to say afterwards? Oh, I I went deaf and and mute and blind and I couldn't respond. Like it's going to take a lot to convince me that that's not John coming back and 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 it would take it would actually take the city manager or four council members to bring this item back. And there's no obligation. And if they do, it's total BS because they're not obligated to give these raises. They're not contractually obligated in any way, shape, or form. And no, that's Brian true. Green are not uh, the residual benefactors of, of these. They're, they're not guaranteed these unclassified positions. So nobody can tell me different. That's the law. This is I'm giving you... 10 years of HR experience right here and six to seven in a municipal government setting, it's BS. Right. It's BS. I'm just, nope. 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 So just that, um, because again, like a lot of people who listen are not always aware of, you know, sort of the complexities around policymaking and um, HR and these issues. So just to be clear, typically 
administrators and executive managers, you know, top brass are not um, classified employees, right? They're certificated. They have to have some kind of a either degree or some kind of a certification that makes them eligible to this higher um, op, uh, job, right? Title. So in, in that vein, they are not currently part of the negotiation or MOU. They work mostly on contract, right? And so as a contract employee, or an employee who works with a contract like the city manager, you are not required to include them in, in you know, yearly salary increases. That's something that goes in an individual's contract, correct? Yes. That's right. negotiated between the city manager and that employee, which is independent of all other directors. That's And that's the thing. It's not something that the council has any say over. The only positions, and it's in the charter, of which the common council and mayor can appoint, approve, or, or discuss really is city clerk now, the city attorney now, and the city manager. Right. So, blah. There, no, like, just no. I, I like to say, like, no, no, and no. And unless, you know, which John has now put a new charter review committee together, which I agree with. Our charter has a lot, a lot of issues that are being brought up because of the way John has chosen to operate. And what my my opinion is, is do not write charters for who you believe will be in office. Write the charter for anybody that's going to ever come into that office. Yeah, it's very poorly written. In fact, I, I worked on the No on Hell campaign, and that was my biggest issue was that there, this, this charter is too loosey-goosey. There's too many holes in it, and it, there's going to be some huge unintended consequences. And, you know, that's exactly what we're seeing. But it was so poorly written and so poorly put together that I don't even, like, the city really doesn't have, you know, a strong constitution that it needs to have, especially with, there's always been, you know, corruption in the city in some sense, in some way, right? We'll see, and that's but the now it's just it's all coming ahead, and and John is just you know using it to his advantage. Well, and and when you write the law and you write things, especially like for government, you you want ambiguity. You want to not to be strict. This is this is this is this and this. You want a government to be able to stretch and move and to grow and develop on itself. But that takes a good government. That takes. But we already had that. That's right. We well, we have people in charge that are corrupt that are going to the highest bidder, and so when you have people that are used to dysfunction and crazy uh, scandals, corruptions, the FBI coming in, what you, what we needed was strict rules. That's what we needed. We need to say we're changing our government function entirely. This is exactly how you will operate. This is exactly how you will operate. And when you get to the point where you figured out how to just do it right, then come back and figure out where you need a little more space. Not here's run free, figure it out. And then you rein yourselves in. It's not going to happen. And John has showed us it's not going right. to happen. So that's, yeah, that's so what we really Unfortunately, the, the the huge unintended consequence of this charter is that 
it's giving John Valdivia a lot of power, right? And what do we know about absolute power? It corrupts absolutely. That's right. And we're seeing that. We're seeing that like it's just happening here, like right before everyone's eyes. And people are noticing it and people are seeing it. But I feel like people are just not sure, you know, how bad it is or, you know, it's not it's just not really a full understanding of the of the depth of what he's doing. So because of the whole incident with the votes, maybe not going the way the mayor wanted them to go. Um, that put him in a mood. He was feeling definitely some type of way. And, um, I noticed that at the last part of the meeting that there was a little uh, confrontation at the dais between Fred Charette, Councilman Fred Charette and um, the mayor. I think everyone noticed that. And it's not something that he hasn't accused John of before, but he said something to the effect of, you know, you're not the king. Or, you know, something to that effect, right? And then it just, and then he kind of just ignored, the mayor kind of just ignored him and, and they continued on. Actually, then, well, it's, it, that was a lead up because if, if during the meeting, what you're seeing happening is John is now, he lost the vote on the substation. He lost the vote of keeping the council to five minutes. Um, Sandra started really doing well in point of order and, and asking her questions. And you start to see him snap at her. Like she goes through and she asks her questions about. Oh yeah. He treats her like really badly. He oh, yeah. is so. He's so disrespectful to her. He just. With all women. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, he's misogynist. And that's what he does. He says, oh, um, f- from now on, Miss Abara. And it's like, you know what? First of all, she said, thank you. I'm done. Uh, that's all mayor. And then he goes back to correct because he's not listening. He's just ready to snap. He's ready to, he needs to pounce. So he jumps on her. Then he continues, then he moves his direction to the city manager um, from comments that, that Jim Moldahill made. And Fred in that moment, cause you can watch Jim say, excuse me, like I'm talking <laughs> like he does. That's when Fred's like, Hey, um, you, you know, John, you're not the king and John turns around and Fred has told me John turned around and told me he's an asshole, which has happened before on the dais. They do that. They've gone back and forth. I don't agree with it. And then the mayor loses again on the votes for the raises. And then he goes after Terry for the Radisson, which if you watch, he he does the same thing. Terry says, this was brought to my attention on Monday. I'm going to put it on a closed session item. And John's like, oh, excuse me. La, 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 and just, and then tells her, you're going to do your job. And if you don't like, you know, she's like, I take my direction from four council members. His response is, we'll have a sit down, talk about that. And it's yeah, like, and again, another, another attack on, on a woman. That's right. And another charter violation in the charter. He has no administrative authority. And it says it right there. You know, and I've been reading through all these subcommittees that he quotes under the power. And, and, and it was funny because BB and K attorney, which I don't understand how she's been there for all this time. And it's like a like razor thin charter, but she still needs to like study it every time something comes up. But OK, um, but she 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 actually admonished Sandra for trying to do what John ended up doing just then. Right. Right. He was giving her Sandra was trying to give direction, or one of the one of them was trying to give direction to put something on the agenda, and she was admonished. You know, you can't do that. You have to ask blah 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 blah. 
Okay. So she was admonished, but then John did the same thing and he was not admonished. Yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. Like the only, the only mistake Sandra made was to ask for the recruitment for the chief of police. That's not within her purview, but the city manager and get these, the salaries established for city clerk, which I was just looking at the budget. There is a proposed salary. I'm not sure exactly sure what Terry was talking about. It's in the 1920 budget. It's a nine month salary. So, um, but yeah, John tells her, uh, tells Terry, you're going to put this Burchett contract on here. It's been, and, and it's like, once again, then, then the city attorney speaks up and says, okay, you need to give us clear direction. And it was still defeated. And John lost his shit, went after Fred. Direction is different than demand. That's right. Cause they, it, they can't, they by by a majority vote of four, they can ask the city manager. And it's not John that needs to give the direction. It's council. And he and the council did not put his request, and that's what made him mad. He doesn't have the authority. So my my thought is, uh, he'll go change. They'll go change the municipal code again. <laughs> they'll will try and change the charter. But all of this cascading effect led to him following Fred out, stopping, getting in his face. Telling him I am the king, and then walking him, walking with him into the hallway, bumping into Fred, and then going off. And we won't use the swear words because I know people were are, are thrilled about that. But yeah, I'm trying really hard not to, you know. Yeah, which I know you would probably be able to do verbatim, but we'll give you guys. I mean, from from although Fred did G version. Yeah, it was. He called him an M, you know, an MFer. He told him to go F himself. He called him a C sucker, old man. I mean, some really like, wow. Like, you know, you may not like Fred or whatever, but first of all, Fred's a veteran of the United States. Um, he's 70 something years old. Like, you don't, you know, why, why would you, because you're mad, you know, like Fred walked out of there. And have some decorum. You're the freaking mayor of a, the, the county seat of San Bernardino. Like, have some self-respect. Try it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's uncalled for. Plus, it was done in the presence of other council members who have heard it. He threatened him. But he said he is the king. He did. He said he's the king. It, uh, you know, it must be good. But you know what? We've been saying this all along. Hey, Ro, the king, the emperor is not wearing any clothes. Yeah. So, but now we know that in his mind, he believes and he feels and he has acknowledged that he is the king. Yeah. And you know right. what? Uh, Valdivia, this is the United States of America. And we don't do kings, we over- overthrow any king that gets in our way. And that that is tried and true testament. So, whatever misconception he is under, uh, the, the residents aren't happy. They are not. Like, this is even people that I'm don't like a lot of talk <laughs> about recall. Yes. Oh, yeah. I'm just wondering if people are really serious about, you know, getting rid of him. I mean, he clearly, I mean, he clearly needs to go just, just because I think, if nothing else, you, you cannot have a person in charge of a city like San Bernardino that really believes that they have all the power and all the authority and everything is what they want. The, I mean, you can't have that. This is a city that's supposed to be run by seven 
members of our community, which we have chosen, whether we like them or not, we have chosen to represent us and speak for us on our behalf so that this city can be run in, in, um, in, in, in an effective and efficient manner. And we didn't elect John to be the king or the sole arbiter or the unilateral representative. That's, that's not who we are, you know? So um, I think that people are seeing that. Tim. Hey, San Bernardino, welcome back to segment two. Hey, you got back. All right. So we were just um, working into more of the conversation about the recall and kind of people starting to say that a lot more. Yeah, I'm hearing definitely loud rumblings. People are eager for someone to give them a petition to sign. <laughs> I keep on seeing that. Like, where do we sign the recall papers? But there aren't any going around as far as I know. No, but, you know, I have people ask the same question and I think it's, it seems so easy for people to think like you just need a petition. It there It's like a really big process. Is it not? It is. And it takes a lot, a lot of people and a lot of resources. Yeah. Um, and I think that, I mean, this is a city of, you know, a little over 200,000 people with, we, with the recall, how it works is you go by the amount of registered voters that voted in the last election and you calculate the amount of signatures you need using that number. And so we know that to recall John Valdivia, it would take approximately 14,400 and some odd signatures. So basically you're looking at, you know, having to get 16 to 17,000 signatures. So just to make sure, because sometimes people think they're registered and then they're really not. And so each, each um, signature has to be verified in order for the petition and the recall to be valid. And so it is an undertaking, quite an undertaking, but I feel like at some point it's gonna probably be inevitable that the residents of the city are kind of gearing up to to just get rid of him. I think there's a lot of, um, you know, people regret voting for him. I know that. So we'll see what happens with that. But I definitely feel like the more he does and the more disrespect that he displays on the dais with, especially in regards to the way he treats women, like who... It's, it's 2019, almost 2020. Who wants a misogynist mayor? <laughs> Nobody. Right? So he really does need to understand that what he's doing is just not acceptable to people. Right. And I'm, you know, I, I have to say this about the residents, which I appreciate, you know, is normally we have a very apathetic, um, disengaged group. That's that's just uh, the historically how San Bernardino has been, and and probably more in variation. That is before. that is true. But what I see now is a lot of people, and I think it's just maybe the political climate nationally that they're kind of like, "Hey, wait, 
we gotta we gotta take our government back. We have to. This is this is our city, our government, and this guy's out of control. And that's more of the the tone I'm getting is this isn't what we signed up for, and we want the recourse that we're allowed by law. And I'm kind of like, hey, that's a pretty good argument right there. So I, I just have to give that to the residents. The conversation has been. At a, at, a, at a higher level of like, I just don't like this guy. It's really like this, this, and this is where he's failing us and he lied to us. We, he was giving us this promise. So I'm a little more encouraged by the gaining momentum of, of where the, the heads of the people are at. It's not really a personality. It's really based on, on functionality. The thing is that normally recalls do, you know, it does take money to run campaigns, but you know, I'm I'm from the old school of grassroots organizing, and so it also doesn't, right? It's sort of like, yes, it could take several thousand dollars, or it could just take a bunch of people power. Right. Right? So it just depends on how much people want to put into it, if they're really willing to do, you know, roll up their sleeves and go out and get signatures from residents. It, it could be, it doesn't have to be a huge, huge cost. So there would have to be, you know, a lot of people understanding what's going on in the city. And I think the apathy comes from the fact that this is a city where people just are doing whatever they can to get by and just get through life, you know, like it's not we don't have, um, this is this is not Beverly Hills. People here worry. This is a working class community. They worry right. where their check next check is going to come from. And many people in our community are literally a paycheck away from homelessness. Very true. So with all those things that people have going on, it it's hard to keep track of what your city government is doing, right? And so I, I think that's part of the problem in San Bernardino. But I have to tell you, Treasurer, that I appreciate and I know so many other residents really appreciate you really just staying on this council and holding the council, the mayor, accountable at every turn and mm -hmm. posting videos and explaining what's happening. That's very helpful because people have not had that in the past. So well, I want to commend you for that. Thank you. You know, that's, uh, I appreciate that. And, and I've had people reach out and that, you know, I, at this point in, in our history in the city, what, what I used to get a lot of was, well, how come you didn't do this when Morris was mayor and Davis was mayor and the circumstances. Because other people did it then. Well, and that's the thing is the circumstances <laughs> were different, but not only that, um, where were these people then? And that's my quote. That's been, that's, it's like, here's all the information now. Here's where we are today. This is where I can and will be effective in what I can do. But that's for anybody. If, if Pat Morris, and I didn't live here during the whole time Pat Morris was mayor, but if it was that egregious, why was he elected to a second term? Why did, was this allowed to continue? And not only that though, there were a lot of, of whistles being blown during that time that people turned their heads from that they thought they were going to get away when the RDA dissolved. It's that kind of stuff. So, you know, I'm in this for the long haul for our city. We can't afford to turn a blind. Nobody gets to say 
I didn't know. Nobody told us because we're going to post the videos. And this isn't my information. I'm not making any of this up. These are all things that are public records, public meetings, uh, open discussions, crazy yelling in the hallway. Like this is all stuff that, that everybody has the opportunity and availability to be as up on as I am. So right. I'm just just happy to do it for those that can't be available. Not everybody can make it to every meeting. And I, I know I don't, but as if I can be the eyes or the ears for even a handful of voters that make a real determination, cool, sweet, awesome. Yeah. And the thing is also that back in um, those days, there were people speaking up. Absolutely. There were people have, the city has always been divided politically there were the Penmans and the, and the anti-Penmans. There were the Morris and the anti-Morris. And I was one of the anti-Morris, you know. So people have been speaking up. In fact, before Treasure was around, Sandra Barra was coming up to the podium and holding the council accountable. So we have had people do this. This is not a new thing. But what's different is the ability to um, create further engagement opportunities such as using social media, uh, making sure that you make those live videos because a lot of the stuff, it doesn't get to everyone. Uh, so those opportunities are much more utilized today than they were 10 years ago, right? Mm-hmm. Including this podcast, which, you know, it's not just always a recap and a summary of things that are happening, but many times we go into full-blown explanations about why this matters or what certain things mean because everybody doesn't know the political language that is being used, right? So exactly. this is, this is a, a, an opportunity for us to engage the community and, and hopefully educate them on civics and political uh, issues, right? And I think that's what that's people, how I've been using it. <laughs> no, I agree with you. And I think that's what makes us so frustrating to the establishment is because we speak their language and we can and and when we look and we analyze and discuss on their level what they should know and what they're doing. And then we take back that information and have that conversation at their level. It throws them off because they're used to dealing with residents who don't look at things that way or don't understand it in that way. And then we go back to the residents and we have the conversation that they need to have at their level of understanding, which it's like when someone comes and they want to explain, you know, budgets beyond, you know, how, what I would normally know it kind of, I'm like, okay, I'm done. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, stop, you know, but if you explain it to me in a way that, that one can keep my interest and two, that applies to how I live daily that's what the residents need because politicians will run out and give you a sweetheart like I'm gonna I'm gonna save the animal shelter um what he meant to say was I'm gonna save the animal shelter in Riverside by giving them two million dollars of our money it's that kind of side Mm -hmm. that that we get to do and I think the residents appreciate that and I like that they live yeah you know and it's funny that you mentioned that because I was just writing down in my notes we need to talk about the animal shelter issue that never ends Mm. because now there's a couple things going on I know that you went to the 
animal shelter. I mean, I'm sorry. Yeah, the animal shelter or the animal commission meeting, right? Yeah. And then, so some things happened there. But aside from that, we've been getting a little bug in our ear about the possibility of John trying to finagle some kind of a deal with Riverside County in which we give Captain Green to them, but um, but still somehow will cover the cost of that. Um, so let's talk about what happened at the animal shelter because you know I'm very big on making sure that Brown Act violations are not, you know, rampant in the city, but it seems like we had some more Brown Act violations at the animal shelter meeting, right? Yeah, I, it. so I walked into the meeting because there was a couple things on the agenda that one, there was no backup material for. So that was, that was disconcerting in the beginning. And two, because they're looking at this bid proposal, which didn't have the backup material. So I, I went and oh my god um it's a mess i can see why first of all i i understand and and i was telling this to the co-chair i understand the frustration of the commission because they're not being listened to in in general uh right now you have two picks that are from which i don't understand but the mayor has two appointees to the to the commission um one the co-chair she's for the outsourcing of the animal shelter the newest person has absolutely no idea what's going on with the shelter. And then the rest are trying to get the council to make, come to some kind of consensus of direction. And so it's really mm -hmm. a lot of talk of nothing. Mm. Wow. And moving forward with that, it's also, they don't, they're governed, as you know, and like you say, you're a Brown, Brown Act person. There are rules of decorum that they have to follow and it, and that's not how the meetings, the meeting that I went to is run. They were talking about stuff totally off topic. We weren't provided the information and it's just, it's not, it's not managed. It's not managed well at all. And that I think also leads to the lack of, I would say even the council taking them seriously. It's kind of like, like somebody just was like, here, what really is, go be a commissioner because there's no qualification for it. And, right. you, and you can tell it's apparent. Uh, I guess the co-chair is, she says she runs a, a rescue, which she runs a rescue out of Riverside, who's a proponent of outsourcing to Riverside and is also a proponent of a large Riverside nonprofit coming into the city to do it. So I'm kind of like, does no. And this is John's pick. No, no, no. Actually, she was uh, Davis's pick. And now I believe John's carried her over from, from what I checked in the listing, she was supposed to expire in 2018, but has not. I, I imagine that some of their frustration might come from, you know, everybody has a million and one things to do and their time is valuable and you should respect the commitment by individuals who put themselves up and put themselves out there to do this type of work and then at least have the decency to, you know, hear the recommendation and give it a legitimate um, consideration. And I feel like that's not always the case, not just on this commission, but a lot of the commissions, they don't, you know, they don't really, I mean, look with the, with the other, um, the planning commission, they just kind of like 
ignore whatever recommendations they have. But um, so it must be frustrating to residents who give up of their time and you know time away from their families to one not be effective mm-hmm. and two if you do come up with something and, and a recommendation does come to the council before the council to be ignored is just wow then why am i here you know oh yeah and and you can see like they have subcommittees they have like they're trying i don't you know it's not that they're not trying there's just there's a lack of you know just and i i, I can see, i'm gonna pretty much start going to the commission meetings to see but i'm pretty sure this this shared lack of sophistication um because you're not getting the subject matter experts. And this is the thing. These people are supposed to be reliable, reliable policy recommenders, if you will, to the council. The council is supposed to rely on their expertise to make decisions. Mm -hmm. And yet you're giving these positions, these council members are just, did you like me? Did you support me? Are you, you know, are you going to give me a smile and tell me I'm doing positive? Cool. You're a commissioner now. Unacceptable. But recently there was an issue with a commissioner, well, regarding Juan Figueroa. Where he wanted to reappoint his, I don't know, what what is it, common law wife? His girlfriend, at least, at the very least. Well, and that's, that's the other thing. So... I, you know, I have the email from Juan and, um, and it it got brought up. So the chairperson was, you know, if you think you could do better, why don't you apply? Well, I told her, I said, I I have applied, you know, Jody's up (laughs) in December and Juan told us in July, I have it actually told us on the 13th and the 17th that Jody's appointment based on peer pressure from, from rescues was only going to be through December. And that he was going to remove her. So I said, okay, well, you know, everybody says put up or shut up. So I put in my application. I told residents. And then I get told uh, the commission has absolutely no idea, Jody included, that her term was limited. How could she not know? Didn't she watch the council meeting? I, I don't know. Well, this came as an email. This from from Juan's email to me, and I'll read you the last section of it. It says, therefore, in order uh, to best help the animal rescue efforts, they and I have agreed to allow her, Jody, to complete her chair position through December, at which point I will appoint someone else to the commission. And so that, I'm, I, one, I can't believe, and I'm, I'm pretty sure it's just maybe the co-chair wasn't informed, that one would have a conversation with nonprofits or rescues, m- me and additional residents, and not Jody, not know. I mean, that's that's got to be almost impossible in my mind. Yeah, I mean, it's a it brings a whole new, uh, you know, de- definition to transparency and lack of it. When you know you're not transparent with your constituents or your wife. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I and and that's the thing is you're you're you know we're and this is the truth to San Bernardino itself is the residents are operating off of this information that we receive, and the people that should know it don't. Right, 
and that that's a problem. And, and, you know, like I, I emailed Juan, I said, Hey, cause I, I received a call, I missed a call from the city yesterday. And I thought, okay, maybe this is due to my application or maybe this is going to be an announcement through the December 4th meeting or, or their next December meeting. But at least it should be common knowledge by November 15th. So I, I don't want to waste too much time on it, but I did post it out to residents cause I don't know who else has applied. And, and it's like, don't, Tell the residents you're going to do something and then not do it because you will lose engagement. You will lose trust. Yeah. I think he's up for re-election, right? Yeah, <laughs> he is. Nice. Unlike Fred, who was threatened with a march, something happening in a march. That's you know what? Um, I'm. I, let's get. Let's move into the Fred video. So he released his own statement as to what happened, and one, I'm very happy he did that because. You know, it's happened a lot. I've heard that Sandra and Teddy have been reamed by John and told, you know, basically stay in your lane. We watched him do the city manager. And Fred's the only one to first come out publicly and say, we're not going to tolerate this. Wow. So it's, um, you know, to threaten. So Juan is definitely up for re-election. Right now is the filing period to run for any of the seats. In Ward 7, Ward 3, Ward 6, and Ward 5. So we got Henry, Basine, Juan, and Jim. All up for re-election. And none of them should be re-elected. In well, my opinion. You know, Jim, Jim needs to be re-elected re based on... The, uh, the the candidate running a Molinarski, is that how you say his last name? Yes, Dave Molinarski and Damon Alexander are running in the seventh ward, but well Molinarski is Valdivia's hand picked. He hired Valdivia's consultant. And John is in the works with giving him a great land deal. Yes, and we have several like literally a whole like email thread chain between the two of them negotiating some land deal right so, so that's that's a big no um yeah. as far as you know i'm hearing and i don't know i guess it'll be verified is that damon is very close to basine and john and that is worrisome because of how basine has carried on so also he's really like not um I mean, you could ask him a question about anything in the charter or anything having to do with policymaking, and um, he will not be able to answer it. He absolutely has no knowledge of what a policymaker is, so that would be bad. Um, but regardless, these, these positions are open, and people do need to look at these candidates and we need to do better than what we have. The people that are supporting John, they really need to go. Um, I know that Fred was threatened with something happening to him in March, but he's not up for re-election, so it's not that. So what exactly is it that the mayor is threatening to do to him or to how's he going to have his ass in March is what I want to know. What yeah. does that mean? And by the way, for, for people who are listening the the thing is that 
um, when you're an elected official, you you are um, there are a, a different set of laws that pertain to you in terms of getting threats or or being harassed or like in this case what John did. So, in as an elected official, a, a complaint can be classified as a terrorist threat. Because you are a member, an elected member of a body uh, of, of a governmental agency, and as a member of a governmental agency, you are, you know, you have a little bit of higher stature, and so you can't, you know, people can't just threaten you, you know. So, um, so I hope he really does file a complaint against him, and files with the public. Fred Charette, I'm talking about, against John. And files with the public integrity unit. I mean, we have to get everything on the record. Every complaint has to be made. Every public records request has to be done. We've got to keep on and keep doing this in order to make sure that we really are holding our electeds and specifically Jean Valdivia accountable. Yep. And let's let's talk about this accountability because there's... Um... I'm a little shocked at this. So Measure Z is sunsetting, which pays the police department $8 million. And that means they need to come to the voters to ask to renew this. They, the city is also, from what I'm hearing, going to ask for an additional tax. And it was supposed to be a penny tax, but it looks like they, there's, I've heard that they're so giddy by the public response that they think they could actually get a three cent increase on our sales tax. Oh, Jesus. And we already have one of the highest. Exactly. So, first of all, they've compl- the, the police department is failing at eight, over 80% of our budget. And we're going to, and, and all they've done with that money is pad their retirements, give themselves raises, buy new cars. And our murder and crime rates, homelessness, are all up. What are we paying for? I, yeah, exactly. And, you know, I have said this to you and others, and I will say it again, and it's going to be my mantra, not a penny more. I will not give the city not one more cent of my sales tax money or any other money because they don't do what they're supposed to do with the money they already have. Right. So why would I give them more money to squander? That's, that's it right there. They have mismanaged and done everything to the detriment of the city. And now it's, oh, let the taxpayers bail us out. Oh, it's your city bail us out. We cut all your services bail us out. Oh, the chief of police needs a raise bail us out. All we're yeah. doing is funding PERS. We're funding retirement plans. And that's and, okay. And also, by the way, you want more money so you can pay for your police services because you don't have fire services anymore. We're already getting partially taxed for that. All right. So we got that. Mm-hmm. But now you want more money to support your police department. Um, excuse me. But your police department is the number one reason why we are broke. Yes. Because they can't get their shit together enough to be a professional police department. We have 
litigation up the you know what with these folks they caused this city to lose millions of dollars every single year yep and so you want us to pay more money for a police department that needs to be completely revamped <laughs> um let's and, and by yet the our services are declining and decreasing every single day the records no department get a passport at the clerk's office. The records department is closed today, by the way. Just so you know, I want before I forget, the police records um, division is closed on Fridays. But you know that's unacceptable. That's right. But let's give people raises. Yeah. Like right? I mean, and let's let's play our, our let's play our friend over there at Fairview Ford, Nick you know, more money, more money for cars that cost, like, how are you going to charge the city three times the price of a, of a vehicle that I can, I can go over there and get one of those little Ford Focuses for $15,000. He sold them to the city for $28,000. And that was going with the county sheriff. The hell is that? Like, it's just, it's, you know, and this is, again, they're all friends. Well, and I know people are going to say cop cars you know, have to be retrofitted. Yeah, I'm not not a penny more. Not one more penny. Yeah, not happening. No, you, we can't afford it. And you know what? And it, and, it, and the additional part of that is there's no plan for any of this. You know, we go back to that um, a, approval of the apartment buildings, and it's yeah. because which, no which, by the way, they plan. all agreed in December no more apartment buildings. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, not anymore. But there's no plan. There's nothing that says, because someone called me the other day and said, will you put on a mayor hat and tell me what you would do as mayor? And I said, sure. I would Maslow the city. And and they didn't know what that meant. But in Maslow's hierarchy, it says that the that in order to move up to the highest level of self-satisfaction, you have to just take care of basic needs. You have to feel safe. You have to be fed and you need a roof over your head to yeah. sleep. You need three basic things to, to just be okay. And our city doesn't even have those three basic things. So we're John's out there flying to China, trying to get this massive deal in the airport, looking at trying to build a huge, sufficient multi-mixed house using which the city screwed up the RFP people. That's not happening right now. Uh, yes. in the in the carousel mall and yet the residents that live here every day don't feel safe on the streets they are a paycheck away from losing their homes they're you know they're worried about basic services that's where i would be i would i would not be out perusing the world for anything that i think will stick I would be trying to put together a plan and just in the work within the confines of the budget we have, let's get to a freaking year in our city where we stay within the amount of money that we have been allocated through taxes, the state's revenues. Can we you just mean, in the same way that millions of households across America have to stay within their budgets? That's right. I would yeah. operate it like the rest of us have to operate our income at home. If you can't afford to go out to eat, you know what? We're top prominent tonight, San Bernino, because I care more about sustainability than I do 
going out one time and not being able to eat for the rest of the month. That's how we have to think. It, these, these aren't crazy economic decisions. These are real life scenarios. Yeah. And the city needs to start acting like the residents it serves, which are paycheck to paycheck, which the city, I remember when I worked for the city, they would come and ask to approve the paychecks through the bankruptcy process. We weren't sure if, if, the, if the council didn't want to, they didn't have to approve the, the, the register, the ledger. And that's how it used to be. That's scary. It, it was. I was like, I was looking for another job. But we can't go back there. Well, we won't go back there. No. We, want, we will not be able to file another bankruptcy again. And I, I think we've explained this before to anyone who's listening. But just to reiterate, and just for clarity, this city, if it fails and it becomes fiscally insolvent, there are a couple things that can happen. One, well, because it's a charter city, this particular option might not be a viable one, but one, you can reach out to the state for help and get a loan that is going to be impossible to ever repay. The second option is to uh, appear, uh, to try to become um, disincorporated. Yeah. You know, you start selling off pieces of parts of San Bernardino to other cities. And so to make us a smaller city to make it so we can we can try to live within our means with the budget we have with a smaller city so we could annex portions of the city to Grand Terrace, Fulton, wherever the borders lie, Loma Linda, etc. and just shrinking the city. <laughs> but one, it's really hard to do. And two, it's completely unacceptable that we have the opportunity to stay solvent and we have a mayor who is completely I mean he's a wrecking ball yeah and um, so not doing things to keep us solvent is really problematic and it might not happen for three five years but if at this rate that we're going it's inevitable yeah well next budget our next budget cycle. That's why I'm really interested to see where this mid-year budget review. So you have your full fiscal year. And then in December, January, you look at your mid-year and that's with all these raises. Now we have to consider there's been about I would, 400,000, maybe a million dollars, if not given in raises or added expenditures to the budget, plus the cost of existing litigation. So yeah. Uh, it's going to be really interesting to see where we are in the reserves. Plus, we're going to be doing payouts for officer-involved shootings. And Andrea's yeah. claim is going to come through. Gigi's and Gary's claim is going to come through. Yeah. Now, and just to um, touch on that point really quickly, I'm, I'm hearing that an offer was made to uh, city clerk, city attorney, but no word on whether they've taken it. But it sounds like the offer that was made was like, here, we'll give you your back pay and a little bit of severance if you just leave. Go away. <laughs> That's insane. Really? I, they better not. I mean, why? all the city has to do is reinstate their pay, give them what they if, owe them. If that is, in fact, the case, and that's the, the stinky offer that they got, I would tell 
my advice to those people, the city clerk, the city attorney, and I would say, you know what, they need to come back and they need to say no and keep your little shitty deal. They're elected officials. Right. (laughs) And, you know, that's, but, you know, it's in keeping with what John believed and what he told the city clerk, which was, you know, um, what do I need to do to get rid of you? Well, and this is what John does. So he's created a, a pathway of retaliation. What did he do with Andrea? He put her on administrative leave. He rejected her, her bid to resign. And now mm-hmm. they have rejected to pay out her contract, which they let her go with, uh, with no reason. And now they're they're They won't sign off on the payout. Gigi told John, no, I'm not going to resign. And so he attacked her pay. He doesn't like Gary. Gary holds the keys to the city attorney's uh, department. So he's held back Gary's pay. He retaliates financially. So it's, and and he rewards financially. He cut code enforcement by nine officers. So, you know, to help Pama management, who was, so it's a, it's a money game for him. Exactly. There, I mean, it's definitely whatever's in it for him. The agenda is definitely self-centered. But my question for John is, what do we need to do to get rid of you? And we're going to start <laughs> answering that question in the upcoming podcast because we, we really, you know, we're, we're to a point where, you know, this is a crossroads. We have to decide, do we want to continue on this path with this madman wannabe king or do we really just like stand our fucking ground and take up arms and say, no, this isn't happening. And I feel like the latter is going to become the theme. Right. So listen, there's still a lot more to discuss, um, but this is going to have to be it for today. And there's, there's many more things that we've got, right? I mean, it's just, it doesn't end. It's like, as the world turns, it's like, <laughs> but um, I'm glad we picked this up and at least you know touch on the on the big topics that have been hitting just the last what two days. Yeah. So cool. But let's but let's let you guys just digest this first, <laughs> <laughs> and then we'll be back to bring you more. I mean, at some point, at some point, it's going to be like. I mean, the frustration level's got to be getting high with people, you know? Yeah. Well, it was a good, it was a good day. So um, let's come back in a couple days because I'm sure there'll be more. And um, might go for that, right? Real, San Bernardino. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks, San Bernardino. Bye-bye. Have a good weekend.